Hey y'all, you are tuned into KW1S and this is episode four. I'm Vera, I'm an honor student, and I'm here to tell you why I chose to be a sex worker. <laughs> so this might sound weird to some people, but one of the main reasons that I chose to be a sex worker and a cam girl is that I was tired of being exploited for my labor. Uh, like I said in earlier episodes, I pretty much worked full-time and went to school full-time in order to get an education. At almost every job I ever had, I got a class action lawsuit check for things like racial discrimination, withheld meal breaks, being illegally scheduled with less than five hours to sleep in between shifts, coming in on my days off. These kinds of things had become the norm of my workplace. This was my life. This episode is my story of capitalism and exploitation. Like most of my life experiences, it's a little dark, but I promise there's some hope. So how about we start with exploitation? What is it? So exploitation is kind of a, a, it can be a lot of things. It can look a lot of different ways. Uh, one way is it's treating someone unfairly to benefit from their work. Um, it can also be making use of a situation to gain an unfair advantage over others for yourself, for personal gain. And it's also the appropriation or the stealing of a product created by someone else. Exploiting people, I think this should go without saying, but exploiting people is not ethical. It's dehumanizing and it's inhumane. So exploitation is bad, okay? <laughs> Nobody wants to be non-consensually exploited. Um, however, this concept, this is the fundamental principle that underpins capitalism. It's, it's the fundamental principle of how wealth and monetary capital are created. We create wealth by paying people less than what they're worth. We create wealth by keeping the product of their labor. We create competition by, to keep wages low. These are, these are all of the ways in which we create wealth and the ways we do it by exploiting people for their labor. So I'll give you an example. Um, when I was in college, one of the jobs I had was I worked at a coffee shop. And so when I came into work, there were raw beans, cold milk, and empty cups. And that's it. It was my labor that turned all of those things into lattes. When we work, our labor creates value. It puts value on things that wasn't there before. Those beans, that milk, those cups, it was my labor that turned that into a latte. That profit couldn't happen without me. But it could happen and did happen every day without the CEO. In the store I worked at, we even went, we actually had a period where we went two months without a store manager. Uh, everybody at the store rallied together. We picked up extra shifts. We picked up extra duties and we worked together to keep the store open. We had record sales. I still only made $13 an hour. I could barely afford a pizza on Christmas. Under capitalism, everyone toils away to create new things, ideas, provide services. And then at the end of the day, statistically speaking, some rich white guy comes and takes all the money and credit. It's kind of like, imagine, imagine your neighbor loans you a hammer and says you can use it but he now owns everything that you make with that hammer for the rest of your life. Because, I mean, you know, 
he made an investment, right? <laughs> You're using this hammer. This is how capitalism works. It's also known as a pyramid scheme. And our entire economy is based around it. Now, this is not conjecture. This is a fact. It can be explained at length in Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations and Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. I mean, in The Wealth of Nations, Adam Smith even depicts capitalism as being pyramid-shaped. So when that rising tide lifts all boats, it doesn't change the shape of the pyramid. It's still the distribution of wealth remains the same. So in case you didn't know, pyramid schemes are bad. It means that when the 1% gets richer and the rest of us can't afford to eat, that capitalism is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing, which is making the people at the top richer at the expense of everyone else. Mm, but doesn't competition level out the playing field, right? I mean, giving everybody an opportunity to be at the top? No. Competition actually makes it worse. Because what competition does is it ensures that the people who succeed are not the most hardworking. It's not the people that are best in their field. It's the people who are good at competing. It rewards people who are good at exploiting others. Capitalism is a system of exploitation. And if you remember from the feminism episode, patriarchy is a system of domination. Neither domination nor exploitation are ethical. Why? Because they both result in benefiting at the expense of and suffering of other people. My goal, personally, is to reduce suffering, not to perpetuate it, and not to participate in systems that perpetuate it either. I'm just, I'm personally, I'm just, I'm tired of being exploited, and I'm tired of people telling me that I have to exploit other people or myself in order to get ahead in life. Personally, I don't think the vast majority of people actually want to oppress or harm or exploit other people. I don't think that we believe this. I think that many of us do it because we don't know another way. We've become so accustomed to living in a system where we assume that everyone else is out to harm us. In a system that tells us that the only way to prevent our own suffering is to pass it on to others. This has become such a standard narrative that I think many of us can't even fathom another way of being. Is it even possible? Mm, well, it depends. Do I see overthrowing the US government as a plausible goal? No, <laughs> of course not. But just like human nature, I believe that with conscious effort, we can shape it to be more humane. So another reasonable follow-up question would be, how are we supposed to resist or free ourselves from these cycles of suffering and abuse if all of society is built to reinforce and encourage it? This is obviously a huge question, and there's many, many different ways to, to go about answering it. But for the sake of this episode, one of the first things, that, one of my first steps to answering this question was to become self-employed, to kind of give myself space from this from this system and I just I just got to a point where I decided that you know I just I can't continue to exploit myself for someone else's benefit I needed to invest in myself the way that I was investing in all of these companies and corporations um, I needed to be contributing toward change right toward toward making this a more humane system 
and I couldn't exploit anyone else to do it. This is definitely easier said than done. <laughs> um, especially since for me, the idea of being an entrepreneur or being self-employed was especially very terrifying for me. It was always very scary. Um, when I remember when I was a kid, uh, I, I remember, you know, when you're in elementary school and you're in class and the teacher asks everybody, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And I would always raise my hand and I'd be like, I want to be an artist, you know? And of course, I had no idea, you know, what that looked like or how to get there, but I knew I wanted to do it. <laughs> um, I wanted to create things, you know, that enrich people's lives. And now my dad, you know, bless his heart, I love my papa, and to have raised a little hellion, wild child like me, he was an amazing, amazingly patient man, my dad. And I know that everything he's ever said to me is out of care and concern for my well-being. But I always remember whenever I would talk about wanting to be an artist or wanting to do art, he would always say, you know, art doesn't pay the bills. You need a stable job with a stable paycheck. I just, I just don't want you to have to worry about money. And so I, I grew up with the idea that art and activism, these were things you did in your free time, right? After working 40 or 60 hours at a job that you may or may not give a fuck about. So even though that didn't sit well with me, this idea of you know, getting a good job really pervaded my decision making. And just like the institutionalized sexism I talked about in the feminism episode, this also limited my ability to see what was possible. I just didn't see myself being self-employed as an option. It just seemed too scary, you know, it was too financially uncertain. And so all through college, I prepared myself for some kind of HR desk job or maybe, maybe PR with a good nonprofit. Um, and before I graduated, I even had several interviews with prominent nonprofit organizations. But while I was sitting there, you know, in my little suit, knowing all the right things to say, I just, I knew, I knew this wasn't me. I knew that, that wasn't what I wanted to be doing. That just wasn't who I wanted to be. And fortunately, that summer, I had earned myself a ticket to Burning Man by spinning fire with a fire conclave. And so when I set my boots on that playa, when I finally got there, I was, I was exhausted, I was dirty, I was broken, and I was literally in tears when I got to the playa. I could barely tap the bell. <laughs> but, you know, standing there, after everything I'd been through, everything it took to get there, to, to graduate college, to get to Burning Man, to have all of these, these life experiences, to be the person I wanted to be, after everything that I'd gone through, doubt, fear, poverty, hunger, violence, oppression, abuse, I just, I knew I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back to having my life controlled by someone else's idea of who I should be or how I should live. And so when I came back from Burning Man, I stopped, I stopped interviewing with nonprofits. I stopped looking for jobs because I knew I had a career. I was an entrepreneur. I was going to be a cam girl and I was going to make it work. So why a cam girl specifically? Well, how I found camming was kind of an intersection of coincidence, skill, and curiosity. Um, I'd actually been using Chatterbait for almost a year to just kind of hook up with people before I even realized I could be making any money on it. <laughs> um, but 
once I did, being a cam girl worked out really well for me for a lot of reasons. The obvious ones being, you know, I wanted to be self-employed. I'm kinky. I'm outgoing. I love to talk about sex. I'm addicted to masturbating. And of course, if you haven't figured it out by now, the other big draw for camming for me was that it was the perfect opportunity for me to push my bigoted agenda. Oh yeah. Uh, it finally gave me a platform where I could promote free will, consent, non-monogamy, community engagement, and unrelenting sex positivity. As cam girls, we, we, we have to make those decisions. We have to decide how to promote, market, and brand ourselves. And though I haven't been camming very long, I, my two-year cam anniversary will be coming up in a few months, the one thing I have found is that models, fans, just people in general, they're always at their best when they're being true to themselves. And for me personally, I just know I'm not the kind of person who can just sit on top of a pyramid, you know, hoarding resources like money, affection, and power while other people fight for scraps. I like my room to reflect my values. And I feel like my room, I like it to be more like, rather than being like a concrete pyramid, I want it to be more in the shape of a torus. So for those of you who don't know what a torus is, it's, um, it kind of looks like a 3D donut, actually, with a hole in the middle, right? Um, it's supposed to be the most balanced shape in which energy can move, and it's believed to be the shape of the universe. So it, to give you a visual, it sort of functions like a tree. So imagine a tree gets its nutrients from the earth, right? So the, new, the energy flows up the trunk of the tree and, and it comes out where it becomes branches, leaves, and fruit, right? And then once the leaves and fruit blossom and die, they fall back down to once again become nutrients for the earth, which again feed the tree. The world doesn't need more concrete pyramids. It needs more trees. Now, it would be naive of me to think that I could ever destroy capitalism or suffering or, or even a pyramid for that matter, but I can plant a tree. I don't know that there's any real escape from the iron cage of capitalism and patriarchy or the forces that are exploitation and domination, but I do know that we can, we can create distance and we can create space from it. And so I'm here to create spaces. Spaces for us to not only explore our most hedonistic fantasies and lusty desires, uh, spaces for us to not only escape away from our sometimes harsh and grinding realities, but I also want to create spaces where we can explore ways to combine the two. Ways to close the gap between the life we're, between the life we're living and the life we want to be living. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. This has been episode four of KW1S. As always, if you appreciate the show, there's lots of ways to support KW1S. You can follow me on social media. You can check out my wish list. Tell a friend. Keep listening. And always remember, I don't know you, but I love you. <laughs>